You don't want to have your sales reps not make any money off of online sales because some organizations will say a salesperson isn't involved in taking this order. Why should I pay them for it? The downside to that is your sales team, they are your greatest advocates and you want them to be advocating for your customers to use your digital commerce site because you're going to make more money at it. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. E-commerce is all about mapping your sales and marketing processes digitally regardless of type of your business, irrespective of whether you transact online or send them invoices. But while transitioning to e-commerce, one of the resistance you will face is the adoption of e-commerce, as your sales team is likely to derail your efforts because of a conflict of their interests. To be successful with your e-commerce journey, you need to create an organizational strategy and compensation plan that incentivizes everyone in your company to encourage your customers to move to e-commerce. In today's episode, we have our guest, Laurie McDonald, who discusses sales compensation best practices for organizations aiming to transition to e-commerce from the traditional sales model. She also discusses why digital commerce is cheaper for organizations because of the self-serve and automated nature of the model. Finally, she discusses the best practices for creating sales compensation that will take a holistic view of the organization. Let me introduce Laurie to you. Laurie McDonald is the president and CEO of Brilliance Business Solutions, which she started in 1998 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Brilliance has a niche in working with manufacturers and distributors to implement digital commerce solutions. Brilliance is proud to have recently made the Inc. 5000 list of America's fastest-growing private companies. Laurie is a graduate of Purdue University with a bachelor's degree in computer electrical engineering. Before starting Brilliance, Laurie worked at NASA Johnson Space Center as a flight controller for the Space Shuttle program. Laurie is a regular contributor to Practical E-Commerce, Digital Commerce 360, and is a speaker at industry events, including B2B Next 2020 and the Health Industry Distributors Association E-Commerce Conference. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Laurie. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. I'm so excited to be here. And I am super excited to have you as well. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus, Laurie? Yes. Uh, So when I started Brilliance back in 1998, I was coming into this company, you know, I was really trying to figure out what could be as cool as space, right? And was was looking at just seeing the uh, all of the exciting work that was being done in in web development seemed like a really also exciting place to be. 
And meanwhile, my husband had just taken on a new role at Rockwell Automation, managing their largest data warehouse. And through a convergence of events, realized what potential there existed for uh, manufacturers and distributors to really be leveraging online sales in 1998. You know, it was, it was a, a, a much different thing than it is today uh, in terms of web. And early on, I encountered a manufacturer who was the second largest domestic manufacturer of ribbons in, for the apparel industry. And they found us through an article that we had written on accepting credit cards online yeah. and ended up creating an e-commerce site for them that really changed their business, that enabled them to move from being an organization that focused on selling only through their sales reps um, and only being able to sell to really large accounts to being able to serve a much broader set of customers and, and um, really enabled me to see the potential that digital has to enable organizations to survive and thrive in, in this really changing environment. And so that, that was something that, that really prompted our organization's focus, my focus, and my, my passion around leveraging digital to help manufacturers and distributors grow. And so that's my, um, my professional focus. My passion is really around helping manufacturers and distributors re- recognize the untapped potential that, that really exists for many of them in this space. So this has been quite a journey for you, indeed a long one, because you have been doing this for like, what, now 20 years? And manufacturers yeah. are still not able to get the hang of web and digital <laughs> technologies. Can you believe this? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we are going to dig deeper into that. What, how they can incentivize their teams overall in encouraging them to utilize the digital technologies, how they can take advantage of these technologies, and what are there going to be financial benefits. But before we do that, we have one of these standard questions that we ask every single guest that come on the show, and that is going to be your perspective on business growth, Laurie. Yes. Yes. Well, I am a business owner uh, and, and, you know, brilliance, brilliance, my business has seen some growth and I've um, been a part of the journey of growth with several of our clients. And so I'm very passionate about growth. I really believe that growth, that our leadership and the culture that we set in our organizations has a lot to do with our growth. And, and what we really want to be fostering is an environment that's focused on learning and on thinking about how you know we can always get better, and as a part of that learning, it it, it requires us to be open to uh, what we call organizationally we call it healthy conflict. Um, yeah. Is really us being willing to voice differing opinions, to hear differing points of view, and to work through that together. And I think it, it's one of those things that's necessary for growth because it's through um, hearing different perspectives. That, that we all get better and improve and that really fosters innovation and growth. Yeah, that's an amazing perspective. I really like the way you have put it there about managing the the sort of the healthy conflict and uh, just discussing through the, the problems and coming up with the resolution. So I really appreciate that approach. And now let's talk about your overall e-commerce and digital journey. And we both know that this has been challenging for manufacturers. We did a show yesterday about overall how manufacturers can adopt the e-commerce uh, or why they don't really adopt e-commerce and what really is e-commerce when I mean, we are often debating about that as well. 
So one of the things that we have highlighted as part of that conversation is one thing is just the deeper understanding of what really an e-commerce is. And a lot of B2B manufacturers, especially when you look at these machine shops, I mean, for them, e-commerce is all about, you know, when you do the transaction, when you do payment, then only this is going to be e-commerce. But e-commerce can help in a lot of different ways. If you talk about B2B, so even if you are, let's say, not doing the payment, you are still going to be digitally enabled. You can enable your sales process completely on the digital platform. And that is actually going to bring bring you a lot of different benefits. And the article that you have provided and which we are going to link as part of this episode as well. And that really resonated with me about overall, number one, recognizing number two, how to encourage the culture. So do you want to share the story that you had about this article when you work with this manufacturer, how they were able to enable the e-commerce inside their organization? Yeah, definitely. And and yeah, Sam, I think you have such good points. I think one of the one of the challenges that exists for many organizations when they think about digital commerce and they, and they think yeah. about implementing it is how it's going to impact their sales team. And, yeah. You know, and most B2, most manufacturers and distributors, assuming you know that they've been in business for some time, have been built on the backs of their sales team. And so, how it's going to impact them. And, and in, in many cases, like be something that they feel positive about is key. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I shared with you the story of one of our clients who's been very successful with their digital commerce initiative. And they really took the approach of digital commerce not being something that was separate from their sales team, not a separate initiative, but really was a tool for their sales team to, to leverage. Yeah. And and to me, I think that kind of a, a culture and focus is important. And so what they did was they involved their sales team in the planning and approach for their digital commerce site to ensure it was going to be something that that the sales team also felt like was going to support their customers. And they enabled the site so that it could, in addition to uh, helping existing customers to continue to purchase products that their sales team would get commissioned for, you know, assuming that salesperson already was assigned to that account. For new accounts that were coming in, they could come into the website, place an order for products they were finding. And then that account, even though when the first order is placed on the site, there's no commission assigned to a, given to a sales rep because there's no salesperson assigned to that account yet. That goes into their CRM system. And then a list is generated out of their CRM system that is divided up amongst reps who then have a, have a process that they go through to reach out to that customer, to, to um, go through a list of activities that, that they are working to accomplish with that customer. And when that happens, then that salesperson is um, tied to that account. And I mean, for future orders that are coming through that account, that salesperson is going to receive commission and credit for it. And so I think it's an example of how you enable your sales team to see the digital commerce as another avenue for, for to support their success as well. And also then, therefore, they're out advocating for both for their existing customers to continue to use the site as well as for new customers. Yeah, that's an amazing story. So let's go one level deeper into the story and maybe, you know, you can take us back five years or maybe two years depending upon how they were as an organization. So what I am really interested in knowing is what kind of products they were selling. And I'm simply uh, trying to understand the structure of the organization. So number one is going to be the, the product, what kind of products they had. I'm not sure if they are selling machines or they are selling simply parts or these are more, more of the consumer products. 
Yeah. So uh, some insight there. And then what kind of sales channels they had? Since you mentioned that this is the account-based organization, so I would assume that these are slightly more expensive products. These are not going to be consumer-centric products, right? So how many different right. sales channels they had? What was the traditional way uh, for them to approach the sales? And then uh, what, how was the transition like when they started switching on e-commerce? Yeah. So so this customer is in the industrial maintenance, repair, and operations okay. space, supply space. And yeah, so they sell primarily through their sales reps. So um, I think they have around 700 sales reps in the United okay. States. And, you know, and they have different verticals that they focus on as an organization. Uh, so obviously, when you have a you know, an extensive amount of sales reps that are a part of your organization, thinking through how you create that kind of a win-win scenario is, is really important. And and I would argue is important, you know, in general for, for B2B, for manufacturers and distributors as they look at approaching digital. Yeah. So in this particular case, uh, my assumption is going to be their customers are going to be slightly more either the contractors or the mechanics who are actually in the field doing the the machine repair, because these guys are really in the the industrial repair business. They are trying to distribute the parts yeah. that are going to be used by the, the contractors, right? So yeah. here, even though it is B2B, it's very consumerized business in my mind. And the reason why I'm, I'm calling this consumerized is because the people who are going to be contractors, sure, I mean, they are going to be business, but these are very small businesses. These are not really big business. Uh, and, and in some cases, when you are selling these products in the B2B space, as well as in the manufacturing space, sometimes you are actually going to be working with a much larger account. For example, yeah. let's say if you are selling to Home Depot or if you are selling to Walmart or if you are selling to Boeing, then now these are very big accounts. So sometimes yeah. doing what you have done for this space may not be possible because you may not be able to ask them, hey, you know what? Hey, uh, Boeing, today, you know, I was doing let's say the paper-based transaction on the sales, when he called me, when he emailed me, today I was doing your transaction based on that, but tomorrow I want you to come to my website because that conversation is not going to go very well. So in your experience, have you seen any stories where these customers were slightly bigger as opposed to just the smaller contractor-centric organization, which are going to be slightly more consumerized? Sure. And I would say so that, you know, in this instance, that customer that I'm speaking about, they have some yeah. very large clients. In fact, they also serve government and the military, which is also large. So to me, I think you're right, though, that large clients will have different needs in terms of how okay. they're served. And they may not be. Um, so what might happen with large organizations, they, they might place an order for for something online, but usually they're really going to want and require a conversation and some additional negotiation around the, the structure of, of that sale, which is what makes it, you know, even more important to think through how you're making sure your sales team feel like the digital commerce side is set up to support them. You know, when we have, when I think about our clients that are serving the end customer is larger, that's where oftentimes there are requirements around how the digital commerce site is set up specifically for that end customer's needs. Like there might be things like, um, you know, punch out solutions or things that, yeah. pro that support procurement to ensure that sales process is really easy and fits the end customer's process. Okay. So in this instance, when you had these larger customers, were they also coming to the website or did they have, were they handled by a different sales team? Uh, and they had different processes set up. So did you guys uh, divide this based on the customer groups? And then you had the sales team catering on different organizations? 
or how did you handle the larger customers versus slightly more smaller customers? Sure. So, I mean, in general, so so like in, in an instance where a large customer requires a punch-out solution, like there are instances, so so punch-out where he's, those listening might not be familiar with it, that's where there might be a, a purchasing, <clears throat> your end customer has a purchasing system or software that yeah. they need to integrate with. And so it, like one example is, you know, Ariba, SAP Ariba punch-out enables people to kind of start in their, in their purchasing system and and then yeah. it, it flows into your e-commerce site and then back out. So in those instances, those could be that those often are like separate web interfaces that are set up specific for that customer. But in many instances, we have we have customers that are serving both very large customers and much much smaller customers through the same digital commerce experience um, that, that doesn't require something separate. And it's more about the features and functionality that are available on the site to support it. Things like multiple users per account and ensuring people can look up, find past orders. And it provides them with the information that makes ordering really helpful for them. Okay, so let's talk about some of the best practices of the B2B sales organization. So let's say uh, if you were running this organization, Laurie, and you had multiple different customers, you had multiple different products. And now you need to figure out, okay, number one, how to align my sales organization and how to design a compensation that is really going to work for your organization, maybe going to incentivize your sales team uh, yeah. to sell more on e-commerce because as we both know that, that's probably going to be cheaper. So two things. Number one is how are you going to structure the sales organization? And maybe you can touch on the aspect where why e-commerce is going to be slightly more cheaper than the other uh, you know, traditional methods. Uh, that'll be amazing. Yeah, that's a really, really great question. So, so let's start with that, actually. So why yeah. e-commerce is cheaper? So recognizing that in many instances, organizations see that they have a higher profit margin through e-commerce sales. And that's because your those sales are more efficient for you to fulfill. So, yeah. so assuming that you have your digital commerce site integrated with your ERP software, so that when orders are coming in online, that there's there's an automated flow into your back office system, and that's eliminating orders that are sorry errors that might occur in order entry. So, you know, if your salespeople in some organizations, people salespeople are still taking orders via email or fax. And then when those orders get translated into into the your ERP system, mistakes can happen. And yeah. so minimizing mistakes uh, saves you money. <laughs> also, when customers are placing orders online, uh, it en- often enables them to find other products that they might not have otherwise discovered through product recommendations or even being reminded through uh, like a list of their most frequently ordered products. Or, or a list they have of things they want to order frequently, or it could even be a list that the salesperson sets up on their behalf and says, here are the products we'd recommend for you. Those are all things that just make the customer's life easier and makes it more likely that they're going to order more products. And in the end, you know, that generate more revenue and profit for you coming through the site. And so what organizations are seeing is that digital commerce can be a path to having higher profit margins. And so first talking about, I guess, what you don't want to have happen. Yeah. Um, from my experience, you don't want to tell have your sales reps not make any money off of online sales because some organizations yeah. will say, 
A salesperson isn't involved in taking this order. Why should I pay them for it? The downside to that is your your sales team, they are your greatest advocates. So it, you, you and you want them to be advocating for your customers to use your digital commerce site because you're going to make more money at it. <laughs> so, yeah. so ensure that you're thinking about how to create a compensation structure that rewards your sales team for, for that, for encouraging customers to make use of it. And so, you know, I know, Sam, you referenced an article that we have on the topic. There are many different ways you could approach it. You know, it could be that you're the simplest way to approach it is to compensate your sales reps the same for orders that come online versus orders that they're they're bringing in offline. That's that's simplest. Some organizations don't want to do that that they want to receive some additional financial benefit for the fact the salesperson isn't actively taking this order. But think about how at least they're receiving some financial credit for that because you want to ensure they're not disincentivized from that. And uh, what's really interesting to me is that there are organizations that are experimenting with actually paying sales reps a higher commission for orders that are placed online. To, to see how that works for them, it based on the fact that there's a higher higher profit margin there. So, you know, my suggestion is that if you're looking at maybe experimenting with how you might handle it, maybe you want to try it on a limited basis with with certain products that are higher profit margin products for you that you want to give some additional incentive, or or you might structure some additional incentive around like new account signups in a certain uh, vertical or geography that you're targeting. The balancing act there is always that you don't want to make this your comp plan complicated to the point that it's either hard for you to administer or hard for your sales team to follow and know what money they're making. So, yeah, so I am actually going to ask you a clarifying question there before we go to the sales structure question that we had, you know, discussed in the in the previous comment. We'll discuss that as well. But before we do that, discuss this notion of the e-commerce channel being cheaper. And you mentioned that, you know what, I'm actually compensating the sales team as well. Now, I always like to wear the hat of my CFO. So let's say if I'm thinking from the CFO's perspective, I understand that the traditional channel is going to have far more mistakes. Uh, It's not going to be as automated. But then I am actually compensating my sales guy in both the channels. But in case of my e-commerce channel, number one, I am paying for my e-commerce infrastructure number two i had some sort of you know marketing spend where i need to put some sort of content there i need to have my decent looking website i'm if i'm doing any sort of paid ads then i'm spending there as well now on top of that number one i am actually comp- uh, compensating my sales guy and you are saying that you know what compensate more so <laughs> in this particular case am i not spending more for e-commerce what am I missing here? <laughs> yes, great challenging question, Sam. And to be clear, I'm not saying, so to me, it's a rarity where I see that happening, where people are compensating more. I yeah. think it's a demonstration of the fact, the fact that there are organizations who are, who are testing that out as a strategy is a sign that, that they're seeing the financial benefit in doing it. So I, I think it's worth questioning, how are we approaching this and, and is the way we're approaching it, um, like, are we shooting ourselves in the foot in some form? So when we, to your point, there is a cost to e-commerce. There's a cost to the infrastructure. There's a cost to the online advertising that's going to bring in that customer. Uh, on the flip side, that your salesperson, by being incentivized to continue to bring orders, that the idea, so to be clear, I'm not suggesting that we pay our salespeople to do no work and to uh, and, and to just see the orders roll in. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so, so I, I hope um, that's not the interpretation of my message. The 
idea is that we 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 talk with our sales teams about how we're taking a really holistic approach. And and yes, uh, as an organization, we're investing in this digital commerce infrastructure and marketing to bring in leads. And then sales team, we're partnering with you to help us grow these accounts when they come in. And so, you know, for most manufacturers and distributors, there's some element of education and support and that that occurs for customers to help ensure they're finding the right products and they have what they need and 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 maybe there there's some questions that they need answered or some additional information they have. And so and CM you were referencing you know earlier larger accounts in many instances having a really strong relationship someone that you can talk to that can talk through how to you know set you up with the right contract terms that you need for your organization those are really key things to have in place. And so, so so the idea is ensuring that your sales team is working in partnership in a way that drives value. And so um, absolutely, I think, um, you know, there it should be something that is looked at from a financial perspective to, to demonstrate how how is the investment we're making in digital commerce, making yeah. our organization money, and how do we incentivize our sales team appropriately. You know, so in some organizations, it's that they aren't compensated the same for digital commerce sales as they are for offline sales. It's a lower amount, but they're still um, compensated in, in at a lower percentage for those online sales. So it's going to depend on, you know, the products you're selling, the profit margin associated with them, and how much work your salesperson is doing as a part of that process. So I am actually going to build some more context on this one, and I will narrate my understanding based on how I interpreted, you know, why the digital commerce is going to be cheaper, even though you yeah. might have additional spend there. So my understanding is when I am working as a sales guy, I need to put a lot of effort in getting these these guys uh, to be able to buy something, right? And then I need to make sure that I am always on top of my customer's mind. I'm always in touch with them, whether through, let's say, if I'm cold calling, I'm cold emailing, I'm going to a trade show, that all requires a lot of time. Now, when I go to my digital commerce, initially it might be expensive because you have some additional expenses there with your paid advertising, with your content, with your infrastructure. But over the period of time, the channel is going to become cheaper. And the reason for that is because your customers are going to be in far more self-serve mode where they will be able to hunt for this information by themselves. Initially, they'll require a lot of hand-holding just because they are not familiar with your website. But let's say if they have bought the same product five times, next time they don't even have to call the sales guy. They can go to your web URL and they, they can simply perform that transaction. And as you coach more over the period of time, your salespeople don't have to spend as much time. Also, your salespeople don't have to spend as much time in doing the follow-ups either uh, because your your e-commerce infrastructure that you are going to set up, it is going to do some sort of you know automated follow-ups where you can do some sort of tracking depending upon how how automated you want to be, how traceable you want to make your e-commerce infrastructure. So my understanding, Laurie, was that the compensation structure that you are proposing, it was just temporary, number one, because you are trying to encourage your customers to come to, uh, come online. And that's why even though it might be slightly more expensive in the short term, and it may be a win-win for your salespeople as well as for for your customers over the long period of time, you will probably not require as many salespeople just because you are going to have your digital infrastructure. You are going to have your internet real estate 
where yeah. your customers are going to come automatically, not only the existing ones, but also the new ones. Yeah, that's a great point, Sam. And um, you know, sometimes I get asked, are you suggesting that with digital commerce, or, or maybe this is a fear that some organizations have, that we'll put digital commerce in place and we no longer need our salespeople, which is not yeah. true. <laughs> you know? yeah. But to your point, Sam, I have seen organizations where it's not a matter of they are, uh, like they're not letting go of any of their salespeople. But let's be real, like good salespeople are hard to find. And so like in, in some organizations, salespeople are, are retiring, you know, may have been there for some period of time and, and are leaving. And it may mean that you, you know, you're able to serve more customers with less salespeople on your team um, or, or repurpose salespeople into other valuable roles in your organization. You know, we've had customers who tell us that one of the things digital commerce has done for their sales team is it enables them to spend less time taking the $50 parts order and more time on that $50,000 sale. And so, again, coming back to that idea of how do we enable digital commerce really to be uh, taking a more holistic view of how we're enabling our sales team to be more effective in their work. So I am actually going to build up some more there with respect to overall, uh, you know, from the accountability perspective and why organizations tend to be slightly more sales driven. And I get this argument a lot on my show, especially when I host marketers, Uh, you know, other folks, they always seem to mention that, you know what, manufacturing organizations seem to be sales driven. In my experience, majority of the organizations seem to be sales driven. And the reason why they tend to be sales driven is because salespeople try to take accountability and if they don't take accountability, they get fired, right? Now, I I don't really see that the same accountability from the marketing departments. I don't know the organization that you have worked with, if marketing was also responsible for, let's say, bringing the revenue and if they don't bring the revenue, then they get fired. I've never seen that kind of structure, okay? But for salespeople, it's almost like a mandate that, you know what, you are responsible to maintain the quota. And if you don't do that, even if the marketing is not performing, you still have to bring those numbers because you are a sales guy. And this is yep. why, you know, organizations tend to prefer salespeople. <laughs> so in yep. your experience, have you seen the similar accountability from the marketing and e-commerce perspective as well? That if you are not able to drive the traffic, if you are not able to meet your numbers, then I don't yep. know whether I should keep you. Yeah, I think it's real, it's a great point. I I have uh, I do see that dynamic. I think yeah. um, marketing teams tend, to, uh, but, but honestly, I think there's a good reason for it. <laughs> yeah. So I think what's difficult is I think sometimes really effective marketing, and I, I I'm not saying there's there are not good measures for it. I think there yeah. there are KPIs are really important, and and we encourage customers to look at like what KPIs they're tracking through analytics. The reality is though we live in a multi-channel world. And so I think it can be really difficult for marketers. In an ideal world, sales and marketing are working really closely hand in hand. And effective marketing teams do work that may not be easily proven to to like revenue. It can be hard to say this this a customer came through, you know, this marketing, this one marketing campaign we did, because more likely it's a function of several things that are happening. You know, customers are being influenced by a variety of things that marketers are working on, and it is a more holistic uh, approach. And so I think, um, and, and also I think some of it, to your point, can happen through the personalities of people that are in different roles. Salespeople yeah. do have, typically, uh, because they're in that role because they're comfortable being held accountable to a number. Marketers typically don't go into it for that reason. Uh, you know, they're they're drawn to often to storytelling, or or they may be more data driven. But it more be maybe a little bit more like analytical. Not their personality isn't typically the same in terms of wanting to be held accountable. And I think both both personalities are are necessary. 
it, it, the question is like, how do they work together in a way that benefits the organization as a whole? But uh, in my experience, I think this happens in the in the sales teams as well. So let's say if I'm maintaining my territory in Texas, okay, and you know I may have worked on a lead that may have let's say headquarter in Kansas, and then the customer actually comes to us, they place the order, and then I figured out that you know what the customer does not really belong to my territory. I wasted yep. my time as a sales guy. So this happens all the time, even in the sales organization as well. So yes. in my experience, I guess it's not fair to salespeople to make them always accountable, but not make marketing accountable. Yes, sure. I mean, the conflict is always going to be there irrespective of the department. So why are we not keeping the entire organization accountable for the revenue? And why yeah. only sales guys? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a great question. And I think I think, I, to, in my opinion, I do think marketing should be held accountable. I, I, I'm just recognizing that um, I think a lot of people that I've met in marketing, that's yeah. that's not their framework or what they're used to. I think it's important that as we ask marketing to be held accountable as well, we should be thinking about how we're defining what we're holding them accountable to. So I think, you know, one of the things when we look, when we think about B2B digital commerce, actually, I think successful B2B digital commerce isn't just about your online orders. It actually is about online, you know, again, we're in a multi-channel world. So great digital commerce also should, should support people that are placing orders offline. It may be that people do a lot of research on your website and end up making a phone call. And all of those channels are working in tandem. And, and to your point, Sam, we don't want to be pointing yeah. fingers at each other and being like, no, I did the work for that, right? <laughs> we, we want to all be working collectively together, which I think can be looking at how do we, how do we ensure we're measuring things in a way that, that, that we're, um, there's safety in us collaborating together and not feeling like we have to be protective of ourselves. Yeah, honestly speaking, I mean, you know, when I look at the sales and marketing alignment, I would never hire a marketer if they are not going to be accountable for results, to be honest, in my personal organization. And that's the feedback I'm going to have pretty much for everybody. The blame game is always going to be there when the organization is not performing. So why only one team should be blamed for the results uh, and not the entire organization? It is really the responsibility, you know, of the entire organization to bring the revenue, to build that brand. Uh, uh, it shouldn't be just just one team, sure. I mean, they yeah. are your face. I get it. They are representing your organization. But the way, in my mind, when I think of the compensation structure, the compensation structure should be aligned in a way that it treats the entire organization fairly and not just one team and not just cornering one team. So now let's go back to your comment about the, or the question that we wanted to discuss about the best practices for the compensation for B2B organization. So what are some of the best practices that you have seen in your opinion, when you have, let's say multiple channels involved, different customer groups involved and multiple different kind of structures involved in the sales organization as well, where you might have, let's say, distributors, independent reps, uh, you know, your e-commerce salespeople now. So how would you, what are some of the best practices there? Well, I think, you know, best practices are to ensure that your, your salespeople can, can understand, you know, what money they're going to make and how, and yeah. that you're focused on ensure, and, and that can tie back to either ensuring that your sales comp plan is simple or having tools in place that make it easy for your sales team to figure out what money that they're going to be making. You know, and then you want to ensure that your the incentives that you have set up in your plan align with with actually your priorities as an organization. So, you know, looking at your goals and ensuring that your your sales team is not being driven through the way your sales comp plan is set up 
to achieve different goals than, than what actually you would like them to accomplish. You know, I think there can be arguments for looking at how you create incentives that are, are broader than, yeah. than just for your sales team. Like to your, to your earlier, uh, to your point, Sam, around marketing and holding everyone accountable, holding organizations accountable on the whole. I don't necessarily see a lot of that happening within industry, but, but I personally think that it can, it can be really good to look at how do we ensure that everyone in the organization kind of has a stake in the success. Yeah. And honestly speaking, I mean, I, I don't know whether you are aware of this or not. There is no sort of minimum wage law around uh, the sales profession, which is, again, I find it's shocking just because, you know, you are putting so much pressure on salespeople. I know that, yeah. you know, salespeople are not even supposed to say that, you know what, I'm not making enough. <laughs> they, they just cannot afford to do that because they are always sort of representing themselves in the best light, um, you know, yeah. for their own personal brand, also for the company brand. But just to be fair with everybody, I guess, you know, when we look at the the organizational best practices for the compensation, when we look at, you know, how can we can we make it, it slightly more inclusive organization and not be called as sales dependent? And again, I mean, see, when we get this argument that the majority of the organizations are very sales focused, they are sales focused mm-hmm. for a reason, because yeah. the ROI is measurable there. <laughs> it's just easy to fire a salesperson. It's never as easy to fire somebody else because there could be so many different factors, right? So, and yeah. they take the responsibility. And, and in my mind, I guess, when we, I look at the B2B organization, a lot of them are successful because of salespeople. And yes. that's probably the reason why, you know, they tend to be sales focused. So it's not, it's only fair that they are sales focused. But yeah. let's say if they want to change that mindset, I think one of the things that they can do is just design the inclusive compensation the way you are describing, but take it to the next level overall not only include the component of the e-commerce, but also include the component of accountability across the organization. Have some sort of, you know, variable component for everybody in the organization. Everybody should be responsible for promoting the brand on social media. I mean, it should not be just the responsibility of sales and marketing people. I mean, you look at CEO, CEOs are doing pretty much everything. So if CEOs is doing everything, why not my backend team? They should be responsible for that as well, in my yeah. Well, and I know some organizations look to create company-wide incentives around, yeah. you know, becoming uh, <clears throat> like ESOPs and becoming employee-owned. There are manufacturing companies that go that route in terms of getting yeah. team buy-in at profit sharing. Other ways are accomplishing much broader incentives for the team as a whole. You know, and your other comment, Sam, you know, I, I personally also, I, I'm not a fan of 100% commission for, for sales teams. I think, I think especially in, I think, you know, there really is, is a strong argument to be made for having a base salary plus commission versus just solely them focused on commission if, from the standpoint that many times in B2B, there's, there's, a, there's a time investment that's being made to, yeah. to really nurture and develop accounts. And I think when you have salespeople that are that that in order for them to be able to pay their mortgage and yeah. put food on the table, have yeah. to make a sale. I think sometimes that can incentivize bad decisions that are, that aren't. I mean, they're, they're doing what they have to do for themselves, but um, may not be in the company's best interest. So, yeah, I agree. I think the company should be thinking slightly more inclusive approach if they want to have the comprehensive strategy overall yeah. for the organization to be able to grow. So yep. on that note, this was a powerful conversation, Laurie. Do you have have any last minute closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my last minute th- thought here is really to focus on like, how do we make our the structure of what we're doing from a sales compensation approach win-win? 
for our sales teams and for our organizations so that everyone sees how, you know, we are mutually bought in company and, and sales team into, into the benefit, into serving our customers well through, through the tools that we have and through our sales team, and that we're collectively working on this together in a way that's going to benefit uh, everyone. So just really, really being focused on the win-win. I think there are several paths to get there, and it, it's really just a matter of being open to really work through that conversation together. Yeah, and my personal takeaway from the conversation is going to be compensation is extremely powerful. You can do wonders with that from the organizational perspective if you designed it right way. And if you want to go through things like e-commerce or digital journey, which is going to be in the best interest of the organization, if you don't want to get pushback from your own employees, then you need to have the inclusive compensation strategy that should include e-commerce and digital component so that the organization is driven in the same direction. On that note, uh, Laurie, I really want to thank you for your time and insight. This was an insightful conversation. Thank you, Sam. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Laurie, head over to brilliancewam.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Enrico Parodi, who describes the sales organization's key components. He also discusses different sales organization structures and how their roles vary, including direct, hybrid, and channel-driven. Also, the interview with Kishore Kedden, who discusses how to align manufacturing strategies with business goals. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.